Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass. Benny and Lee, I'm Benny Easley. Lee, uh, crazy times we live in here, brother. I don't know what's going on. It seems to be getting, uh, people seem to be getting more freaked out by the minute. And uh, I, I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. It's just, uh, I've been in the morning over basketball. And, you know, I've been back and forth on this coronavirus. I don't know if it's as bad or or not. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been back and forth on it. But, uh, well, Benny, I, also, we've got so much to say? talk about today. I, I'm telling you, and, and hello, Big Blue Nation and our listeners. And, and Benny, I'll tell you what, I mean, you can tell a lot about your experiences this week since you were just on a cruise, you know, to the Bahamas. And and I'll tell you what, I, I was worried about you. I know a lot of folks on Twitter that we, we talk to and, and follow us and we follow that uh, we were all generally concerned about you and, but glad you had a good time, and your video looked like you were letting loose. So I'm going to tell you, and and and, it, and this is going to sum up your question to me. This is going to sum up my answer. From from that moment where you were dancing and doing the cats, 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 to the next day, is surreal. Absolutely huh. surreal because we went from we went from that moment. In Kentucky on a high and going into the SEC tournament in a total shutdown, you know, we went from no fans to no tournament, and then we all saw the we saw it coming down, and, and we know, knew everybody was going to fall suit when the NBA shut down and uh, and the cancellation of the NCAA tournament. And, and yes, you know, as, as Kentucky fans and members of Big Blue Nation, I think sometimes – we're, we're, we're spoiled folks. I mean, we've got the best program in the country, in my opinion. And, you know, sometimes we put that first. But, you know, at the end of the day, I know we all agree that we're going to do what's best for everybody and, and, and generally concerned uh, about, you know, the people in the public and, and, and getting control of this, this coronavirus. Yeah, I, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But I kind of feel like it. Like, I go back and forth on this daily, Lee. I mean, you know, you've talked to me a little bit since in between some of this, but I, I just, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit of an overreaction, and sometimes I look on what's going on in Italy, and I think, well, maybe it's not. I mean, I don't really know, but I, I don't – I really didn't see why they didn't just play the thing with no fans. That was my thing because these guys are 18, 19-year-old, and it's, it's not going to – supposedly it doesn't affect them anyway. I didn't get that part of it, but, you know, who knows? Right. I mean, maybe the, there's more that we don't know that they're not telling us. Who knows? It's just a crazy time to be living. I mean, I'm just like, I'm like one day I'm watching the coronavirus, and I'm just like, wow. And then I get breaking news on my phone that Rick Patino got a college coaching job, and I'm like, man, what a crazy time we're living in. I mean, I didn't think he would get <laughs> I, I thought he would eventually get a job, but I didn't think this thing. But I, I'm kind of happy for him, to be honest. Uh, I think Rick's a hell of a coach, and uh, you know, right on down the line. But I'm just saying, it's it's just just the times. You never know what you're going to hear anymore. It's crazy. 
No, and I think, you know, and, and it's funny you said that because I think that what we're seeing is, you know, we have the stoppage of play in, in competition in, in college sports and in, in professional sports. And, and what this has affected, I mean, we're talking Major League Baseball spring training. Uh, they're pushing back the start of Major League Baseball season. The National Basketball Association, I mean, like I said, 56 years on this planet, and, and, and Mike, you said earlier in the day, that, you know, you can go any way on the age. I mean, you can talk to some of the oldest people on the planet and they've never seen anything like this happening. And and it's funny they talk to, you know, Rick Patino. You know, we're talking about him getting a coaching job. So there's a lot of things transpiring outside the game. But do you feel like I do? I, I feel distant so far away. And it's like the communication it, it, it has an apocalypse feel to it, which is strange. But, you know, we're seeing a little bit of media things. Twitter's even stopped. I mean, we, we see a little bit about Emmanuel quickly hinting that he might come back, which he should. But what I'm saying is it's just a it's a surreal feeling all around. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's – like I've been in mourning. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I take this – basketball thing way too serious but I'm also not so naive that I don't see that there's other things going on in the world but what? The, but like I was telling someone what the, what the hell am I going to do about it other than just be have some common sense and and one thing that irritates the hell out of me <laughs> I'm just going to tell you is the hand sanitizer shit I mean I'm thinking did none of these people have freaking soap or freaking hand sanitizer before this happened. Well, maybe right here's our problem. I'm just like, wash your damn hands, people. I mean, <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a mechanic. You know that. I, my hands get pretty dirty. I wash my hands probably 30, 40 times a day when I'm at work, which I haven't been working much here lately. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm just, uh, I don't get it. I don't understand what from toilet paper. I mean. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I get it. You walk in the store, you can't find toilet paper. What's is that going to save you? Toilet paper? Whether you use that for a mask or what? I think some of that. I mean, it's legit because you, you think about it. When you know, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, we played in the dirt and mud all day. I mean, we actually made mud pies when I was little, and we ate the things. I mean, you tasted it at least. I mean. So, yeah, did we eat dirt? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we picked fruit. We just rubbed it on our shirt and, and ate it. And uh, I don't know if we haven't created some of this by being so germaphobic somewhat because, you know, we didn't have hand sanitizer back then. We didn't even know what hand sanitizer was. And if you washed your hands, you didn't have soap. You used just an outside faucet at somebody's house, and, and, and that's what you did. So it's it's uh, – I think we've created some of this, but, you know, I'm I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, to to say that we say that we've created it is, is, is it's not far-fetched at all. Yeah, I'm, I was saying, I mean, everybody's got, should have soap in their house. That's my point. Everybody should have hands in it, you would think. I mean, I keep some on my toolbox at work, some hand sanitizer, because you just never know. Who's carrying what? And I, and I've never had the flu in my life, not one time. I had a stomach bug here not long ago, but 
I'm guessing that thing must have been highly contagious because everybody in this house had it. But I'm just saying, I'm not saying that you can't catch the flu if you wash your hands, but it sure helps. Right, and I, I, I did have the flu this year, actually, and it was the first year I did not have a flu shot. So, yeah, I'll tell you what, it was miserable. And uh, so, it, but it was going around here pretty heavy, but it, it was my first bout of it. And so I know it does happen, and I just hope I'm not vulnerable, you know, to this coronavirus. And, you know, I'm doing what I need to do and, and family as well. And we're, we're hunkered down, and we have enough supplies to get us through for a couple weeks. And, you know, but work still goes on right now. And, you know, all you can do is hope and, and pray that, you know, that I think, like you said, Mike, Mike is you just use proper hygiene and you wash your hands and, and you just avoid contact with people as much as you can. And, and I think everything will work out. Yeah, we'll be fine. It's not that big. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not that big a deal because it, it apparently is a big deal, but. I think we'll survive. I think we just have to be smart, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I feel like they're doing the right things now as far as getting the testing going. I was watching the briefing before I come in here. I didn't get to watch it all because the show started at 6, and it was still on, but I was just I was just kind of checking that out, and it seems like they're up and they're ramping the efforts up for testing, and they're going to prioritize the uh, health care workers and the people that are most vulnerable, you know. Uh, which makes sense. And if you don't have symptoms, you don't need to be going and getting the test. I mean, it's just that simple. That's true. And, and you know, it, the, the thing is, you know, at the end of the day, we, we are missing our sports. And, you know, and, and, and it's a sad time, really. It, it's very depressing, especially with spring here. And, you know, grass starting to grow and everything's changing and, it's affected everything, and we're seeing, you know, that a lot of people are affected by this, not just with the, you know, the fear of the pandemic, but, you know, the loss of what we do in, in our leisure time, and that's that's watching sports and being involved with sports. Yeah, and I kind of got the feeling like right after the – this is the way I feel, the basketball anyway. Right after the 92 deep loss. That's how I felt since they canceled the SEC tournament. I felt that way because I watched those guys in Florida, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm watching that, and I'm like, man, Quickly's doing nothing. Maxie's doing nothing. Hagan's isn't even there. And these guys are battling for a win here. When they were down 18, and then they come back and they won the thing. And the guys, the EJ and uh, Johnny and uh, Keon Brooks, man, I'm thinking, these guys are ready to make a run now. We're going to make a run. And then, uh, and then it's just like just like when Lechner hit that shot, man. He just sucked all the life right out of you. <laughs> well, it did. And, and the bad thing about it is is that, you know, we we saw Ashton Hagens play his last game, and, and it just really sucks. And, you know, we never thought that was going to happen. And – you know, what, what we're missing out on and, and what the kids are missing out on is, you know, this is their last game and they're, and they're, you know, they're at Kentucky to play the NCAA tournament and, and the SEC tournament. And this is the best time of the year. It's what everybody looks forward to. And these guys are going to miss out on that. And, you know, so are we as fan base. Yeah, and I was, 
I was headed to Nashville because I had uh, I thought that I had to work Friday, <laughs> and then they decided they wanted me to wait fourteen days because I was on the crew, which I understand their decision, and they paying me, so I don't care. If that's what you want to do, fine. And I thought, well, hell, I'm just gonna go to Nashville. I was I was getting ready to head to Nashville when I got the news, no fans, and uh, that they were talking about no fans, and I thought, well, maybe I ought to hold up here. And then, uh, then I was like, kind of like you. I thought, well, I'll just go down and uh, hang out in the bars and watch, man, with the with the real blue fans, you know. And then the news came that they were canceling it, and it was just like, shit, what a time to have. You know, here I'm thinking, I got all this time off. I'm going to watch the opening day of the NCAA tournament. Not have to worry about being at work. I'm, I'm just going to. I'm going to sit back like I'm on a cruise, son, drink some bourbon, and watch basketball, and it's sticking all the way up. <laughs> I don't know. Did no, I lose you? It, it, no, no I'm, just, I'm just contemplating on, on what you were saying. And, you know, and I was going to do the same thing. I was going to go to Nashville, too, and just spend a couple of days there. And, you know, I was a little hesitant at buying tickets because of the – you know, possibility of what what happened, but you know, it, I still thought, well, even if I don't get a ticket, you know, I'm going down there and hang out with Big Blue Nation in Nashville and just watch it down there and, and celebrate with with the group. And but it, it's not going to happen now, so it, it's it, it's a big letdown. And I know a lot of people look forward to it and invest in it and invest a lot of time in it, planning in it. And these people, they're the ones that are being affected also. You know, the crazy thing is, usually when you get to the end of the season, and it's just it's wildly crazy. I mean, this whole situation is something that we've never experienced. Usually when you find out the season's over, it's not five minutes. You're talking who's coming, who's going, who's leaving, what coaches are going to be fired. And it's just no talk like that, man. Nobody's even talking about it because everybody's just still in shock from what's happened, and it's it's weird. I don't think any coaches probably will be fired. I mean, they didn't get a chance to finish their season, you know? And we've got, we've got somebody calling in now. Let's see who this is. Folks, today we have hey. Memphis Kings and Brian Pinkett calling in. You're on with uh, Benny and Lee. Oh, it's just Memphis fans calling in a little bit early, listening to you guys. Oh, cool. Hey, Vince. Uh, well, you're show. here. You might as well join our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. Yeah. How you guys uh, doing? We're doing great. I appreciate you coming on again. And, uh, you know, I've become a regular listener to your show as well, and uh, I really enjoy it. And you all knocked it out of the park the other day with the uh, after this, and, and I was talking to Lee before the show. It's going to be hard to do a show because I really don't know what. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like I was just telling him, at the end of the season, usually we're talking about who comes, who, who's leaving, who's staying, and uh, what coaches are going to be fired across the country. And then it's just no talk like that right now because everybody's still kind of in shock from the coronavirus thing. Yeah, COVID-19 is kind of taking over the discussion on pretty primarily most of the the sports talk shows. I mean, you can, this is where, this is where if you've been doing it for a little while, you make your money because you still have to figure out how to entertain people and maybe even take their minds off of the, the, the 
what's what's really going on uh, in this country. Not not to a, a level where you know you're totally ignoring it. You want people to you know kind of uh, you know uh, adhere to what we're being told to do, but we still have to figure out how you know what to talk about and uh, you know uh, talking points and discussion points about you know the basketball season. Who's gonna who, who's gonna return? What's gonna happen? I think the last bit of information that I got on Friday, guys, is that I I believe the NCAA is about to extend the um, eligibility of seniors if they choose to come back and play. I know they're doing that for a lot a lot of the spring sports. They may do that for the winter sports also. That's still kind of up in the up in the air. But how would you guys feel if you know um, seniors got a chance to play again? Well, I think it would be it would be a game changer for sure. But how many seniors are going to take advantage of that? You know, versus still going to the NBA. You know, that remains the question. And, right. And, and right. Spence, you touched on a, a a big thing. There is this isn't just about basketball. This is affecting all of the spring sports and colleges, and and even on the professional level, we're looking at Major League Baseball and the NBA. And, I'll tell you right now, there's there's more to talk about now than just you know an NCAA uh, basketball tournament, and and you're you're dead on right about that. There, the the topics are wide open now, and, and there's a there's a lot to talk about, and we we can put put the worry away, and and yeah, I'm depressed too, and because yeah. you know there's so many things to look forward to, but 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 yes, we're what seniors come back? I mean, I I, I just don't think. It's going to change a lot for Kentucky because we have a lot of underclassmen. But I think the other schools, yeah, it's going yeah. to be a, it's going to be a game changer. Yeah, I think for like a, for for the teams that recruit in the top, you know, ten twenty, it's not going to affect them that much because they got guys going to the NBA and then, you know, being replaced by freshmen and 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 transfer students and whatnot. Um, for teams like Dayton, maybe. Maybe Dayton can pull it together or something and 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 make a run next year. I don't know, um, but yeah, it's gonna it, it'll affect some schools in one way and schools like Kentucky, Duke, uh, even Memphis. I mean, there's it's it's unlikely that uh, Precious Achua or any any of those guys are coming back uh, if they can get into the NBA. So um, I think it would actually be a big deal help for Kentucky because where they're going to okay. be weak. Where they're going to be weak next year, so far, is in the post. And if Nate's his team, could, which I don't know how that would be with a fifth-year guy, a grad transfer guy, would it be the same deal or or not? We don't, we, I guess we don't know because the NCAA has never done this before, right? I mean, when was the last time they extended um, eligibility across the board for a lot of people? I mean, they've, they've made it in one-on-one circumstances, but across the board, never, I don't I've, think. I've, I've never seen anything. So. It's interesting when you talk about it. Like Nate would really help Kentucky next year, probably more than he helped them this year. And it just depends on a lot of things. Is EJ McCurry coming or going? Or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially Cal Perry doesn't have a really uh, a post player coming in next year, so you know he's still on the hunt for one. So Sustina, you know, if he's awarded that eligibility. It's going to be huge for Kentucky, so that, that's a good point because you know mostly what we have coming in next year, you know, we're guard heavy again in, in, in Forbes and okay. position players. So that's going to be a big playing point right there if Athena is eligible to play another season. 
But well, I, then, I just don't see them allowing a whole season for just, you know, the end of the tournament. I, it, it's it, That's a tough one. I, I'll be surprised if they yeah. do it. If they do it, it'll be it, it'll be major. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, the, it's, it's, it's being discussed right now. I know for a lot of the, the spring sports, it was easy for them to do because they are just getting off, you know, they, they haven't had a full season yet. Um, the, the, uh, winter sports, they're discussing that right now to see whether or not, you know, they're going to extend this past the uh, spring sports and do the winter sports, especially basketball, because there are a lot of guys that feel, felt that they had unfinished business. Um, and they came back for that reason. They came back for their senior season for a reason. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they didn't get a chance to, to play in this tournament at all. Right, and and it's interesting because they're also, if I'm not mistaken, won't next year be the first time when a guy can actually transfer with no penalties, one-time transfer? I don't think they've passed it yet, but they seem to be thinking it's going to be a transfer deal where they can just... I I believe you're right. I I think that's going to be... I'm not sure if it's... I think that goes into – I think they may have passed it, but it doesn't go into effect in, until um, August uh, for the uh, winter sports, I guess, um, or the fall sports, where you can actually do a one-time transfer, no question asked, and have, have immediate eligibility instead of going through the uh, waiver process, uh, which will kind of uh, – it, it's kind of what I expected to happen eventually. Once you have a transfer portal, then you're creating an unusual demand on that waiver process, which wasn't, you know, created to handle a transfer portal. So um, I figured at some point in time, one or two things are going to have to happen. Either they're going to ease up on the waivers, or there's going to be an, a, a massive, uh, a, a massive undertaking basically to kind of clear out a lot of these waivers uh, in a in a reasonable fashion. Because there are some guys, the higher profile guys that were getting their, you know, um, well, basically their things processed in a lot more timely of a fashion than just your regular, you know, three-star transferring from Illinois State to, you know, Wichita State. Nobody's even looking at his stuff. So um, the, so it's kind of a I – th- I think we're going to have that coupled with, you know, um, el- possible – uh, extended eligibility for the winter sports is going to be a very interesting, very interesting thing coming up this year. Spence, do you think that's just a way of the NCAA just to avoid litigation and, and the time involved in in the hearings for you know the waivers on these players? Because you know in the past, you know a conference school could deny the player going to another conference school. So that's that's waving all that out of the way. Do you think that's what the NCAA is? has behind their decision on this? I think it has more to do it, – it, that could be that could be a, a – that's a really good point because that could be a reason why um, they're doing the one-time waiver. But I think it is more of a demand uh, issue that they can't really supply the, the teams to look at these waivers and clear them or not clear them um, because there's a lot of different circumstances. I mean, people – some guys want to transfer inside the conference. Sometimes guys want to transfer outside the conference. It used to be where schools could block, you know, certain, you know, in, in, interior conference. And um, 
I know there was some uh, Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12 always used to block people from going to Notre Dame. I mean, there's a history there, but you know, they also uh, you can't transfer to Notre Dame. That was outside of the conference, but you know, they were always like, nope, we're not allowing you to to transfer to Notre Dame. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of historical blocks that you know are in place that are going to be torn down because of the transfer portal. Um, and I think it has a lot to do – I think it, it could be lawsuits. That could be one of them. But I think it has a lot to do with now there's just the, – the amount of kids that used to transfer, like just just three, four years ago, compared to who's in the transfer portal now, it's gone up 500%. And the teams that clear these things, they haven't been extended, you know, 500 – you know, there's not 500% uh, more – of the teams that actually clear these waivers. So I think they're doing it to kind of almost uh, to – if there's enough pressure built up, you know, you kind of want to release that uh, so everything doesn't explode. Because I just think, you know, you need to – you're going to have a transfer portal, and a lot of guys are going to jump in this transfer portal and become even more popular than they originally thought it would be. Um, now you have to have a, a way of, of letting people transfer – at least once without having having to go through the process because there's no way to actually, you know, they don't have the bureaucracy to basically run through and clear these guys within a timely fashion. By the time they, they get to it, they're probably, you know, two, three weeks into the season when they're saying, oh, yeah, you can transfer immediately. Well, we've already lost two or three weeks now. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't even, that, that doesn't compute. Uh, so but that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of look into that. Um, I don't know if it's a legal issue or not. I think it's more of a, a demand issue now that we have about 500 or five times the amount of people uh, transferring that we did four years ago, um, especially in basketball and football. I think it's just created a demand that they can't put up with. Right now. Exactly. I think it's going to be. They have something to do with their, the, you know, the employees they have, they have hired in. And, and that's what I wonder. If we look at the NCAA and see, you know, what kind of layoffs or what kind of minimizing they've done, you know, structurally as a company, as an organization, and, and that might have a direct reflection on that. I know there's a um, – and I'll, I'll probably be talking about that this week on, on the college credit hour. They had – I read a story, and somebody did a really good job, um, of how the NCAA back – at the turn of the century, they started building up a war chest specifically for situations like this COVID-19 situation where they couldn't play the um, uh, NCAA tournament. They figured, you know, we've had so many years running in this, and eventually something's going to go wrong. Let's build up this war chest. And they did to, like, um, somewhere around, I think, 400, it was either 400000 or $4 million, somewhere around there. Um, well, I don't know. It may have been $400 million. I think, and then with all of these different lawsuits and whatnot that they've had to pay out, um, they've they've been losing that, and now they don't have that war chest. Now that there's not a, you know, there's an actual problem, they don't have the money that they would have had um, had they not been hit with all of these lawsuits. So, Emirates, he's not, I, he's well spoken, but it, it feels like he's always behind the curve when it comes to these things. Like he's not. He, he's not looking at this. He's not looking five, ten years out. He's just reacting to things 
uh, as the commissioner of the NCAA and not really leading them into the future. Do you think this is going to cause some chaos? So, I mean, just imagine, let's just say Kentucky. Let's just take Kentucky because everybody listens to us is pretty much Kentucky fans. Let's say they add Luca Garza next year from a transfer to what they've got coming in and coming back. I mean, that's a game changer. They're 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 probably another forty and O type team. You know, I'm trying to figure out who's going to get better because of this. I mean, because there are a lot of teams like this year was kind of it was weird, wasn't it? I mean, we were looking around, and at one point in time, we thought we, the one seeds were going to be like San Diego State, Dayton, and Gonzaga. And I'm like, that's never happened before, right? <laughs> these, these teams are never one seeds. You know, I mean, maybe one of them, you know, gets a one seed or a two seed, but these teams are never one seeds. What, how, how did this happen? Um, and I don't know if, if it continues where some of these mid-majors and whatnot become – you know, just start running the table, or it'd be just because they're not they're not playing anybody. Um, but I, I noticed something, and I want you guys are basketball heads too. I noticed something this year, and I, I was trying to figure out why why did it happen. I was watching Villanova versus Temple, and it was in February, mid February, and I was like, man, because it's usually those games, those those out of conference games late in the season where I start figuring out, okay. Now that, you know, now that we've been through the injuries, we've been through the freshman issues, you know, we've been through the, hey, how is this team going to work? Now let's see how uh, teams from one conference play against teams from another conference. And I start judging, you know, okay, who's, who's, who's strong? Which conference is strong, you know? I just realized, and I started looking this up, because that was the only, that was the only out-of-conference game this year in February. And I started looking this up. I was like, when did that change? Um, five years ago, there were 79 games played out of conference in February. All of a sudden, it dwindled down to just one. And now these teams aren't being challenged late. So you have San Diego State and Gonzaga's just, you know, killing their field because there's nobody out there. There's nobody. They're, they're not playing anybody. Um, and, and, you know, the Dayton's, that, I, I mean, the A-10 is okay, but, I mean, it's not even the Big East. So I, I just there's there's not a lot of competition late, and the reason I, I don't I'm not sure of the reason why that happened. Um, I just know that coupled with this new metric, uh, these 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 ratings, these net ratings, it, it it feels that it feels like teams that actually have a much harder conference, they're not getting a, the benefit of the doubt sometimes in terms of their their who they're playing early, and the late games aren't happening. So, you know, there's no way to get that juice from another conference. Like the Big Ten, the Big Ten literally could have sent 10 people to the uh, tournament this year, and nobody would have blinked an eye because they all had these net ratings uh, under 50, and they did that, you know, by beating teams or beating in their non-conference. They beat a lot of teams outside their conference and brought that into their conference. Well, if they if you don't have those games late in in January and none of them in in February anymore, there's no way to get kind of that that juice that the you know the, the big non-conference win later on to kind of bring some of that back to your conference so your conference can you know kind of benefit from that. So it's it's really and interesting. I think like go ahead. You, you can relate, Spence, too, because you know Penny yeah. 
schedule a pretty tough schedule for Memphis this year in his in his first year. And in and, and Kentucky's on the other side of that too because you know, they hold so much against these teams in early season losses. And I don't care who you're playing. And, yeah. you know, with John Calipari, you know, I can talk from Kentucky standpoint that, you know, he's bringing on young talent every year. And, oh, yeah. you know, the early season losses, it, it's all about developing. And it's where you are at the end of the season. And it just seems like the net rankings lose focus of that totally. Well, it, it exactly. As a matter of fact, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big fan of them yet. They, the, last year was the first time they used them, and I was like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing here. They have these four quadrants, and, you know, if you're at home, you, what you're looking for are quadrant one wins. And if you're at home, anyone anyone in between one and 30 uh, in their net rankings a uh, quad one win. If you're um, at a neutral location, I think it's any, anybody in between 1 and 50 is a quad one win. And when you're on the road, it's anybody in between 1 and 75. And those are the best wins, and they're always looking, oh, these are quad one wins. But then there's uh, quad one losses that they, you know, that, that cancel out like two quad one wins. And if you have one of those, I mean, I'm not saying throw your season away, but, you know, three or four of those, and it doesn't matter if you're running, you know, running the table during your – your uh, in-conference schedule against good opponents, you're, they're not going to really, you know, that's one's going to, one quad one loss is going to counsel out two quad one wins almost. So, um, and that loss, to, and, and, and you all know that because that loss to, to um, uh, Evansville early in the year is what was yeah. the main thing keeping Kentucky out of the discussion of ever having a one seed this year, regardless of how good the team got, regardless of who they beat down the stretch. It was just like, oh, well, you lost to Evansville, so your season's kind of over. Oh, you can get a three seed. or And it, and it doesn't make sense because you look at the team and you look around and you're like, well, who's better, right? Yeah. I mean, is, is uh, State really better than Kentucky at this point? No. Is San Diego State trying. better than Kentucky at this point? No. So you're looking at, well, well who's, who's better? I mean, if you actually put these teams, if Vegas put these teams head up, you know, against each other, where would the point spread be, you know? But nope, it, it, it right. feels like the logic of the entire situation is out because they started relying heavily on this metric, and eventually we'll have what will be where the BCS was in football, and we'll be like, I don't know if this team is really as good as this other team, but the metrics are telling me this, but it doesn't look like that, right? And Memphis, you know, I heard you say this on your own show, so I know you agree yeah. with me on this. When you look at a team, when you're doing, like, say you're doing your brackets, I always right. look at the road wins because I think Absolutely. if a team can go on the road and win, and I'm talking in big environments, and and honestly, I think that's why Calipari, even though people say he don't does so well in the tournament, because he's always everyone's Super Bowl. I know people get tired of hearing that, but if you go to these the games and you follow these games like we do every game, it's always hat uh-huh. night. It's always T-shirt night. Beat Kentucky. It's a blackout, you know, and, and they're Wine out. ready. Yeah, absolutely. Free beer night. Free beer night, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, who could absolutely. turn that down? No, you're you're absolutely right. The road games, because and, and I always look at that, and a lot of people they they do because that's the one. The road games are the ones that emulate the tournament tournament the most. Sometimes you have a hostile crowd. Sometimes it's you know half and half, but it's never for you nor are the refs for you in those road games. So you look at the road games, I usually take the last five. 
and I start making my bracket out based on what did you do in your last five road games. I look at your overall wins and who you won at early and, you know, matchups and everything else, sure. But I start looking at your last five road games to kind of tell me how far you go in the tournament. Um, I know, and I forgot, I forgot exactly what the – what the algorithm is. I don't know if it's for all teams or it's for the top 25, but if you start looking at um, uh, teams that have made it long or pretty far in the, in the NCAA tournament, you look at their last five uh, road wins and they always have a winning record in their last five road wins. If they get into the sweet 16. So I start looking at that, like, okay, did they, did they win their last five road games? Okay. What about four? What about three? Because if you win three out of five in your last five road wins, then you have – it's something stupid. It's like a 50% chance more than another team that went two and five uh, in their last five road wins to get to the Sweet 16. And I was like, okay, this is probably the best indicator for me anyway to figure out exactly, you know, if a team's going to get to the Sweet 16 or not, uh, especially if I don't know too much about them. If I haven't been watching, you know, more than three or four games of the, uh, of the season about them, I start looking at what their last uh, five road wins are and whether or not they have a winning record down that stretch or a losing record. If they're undefeated, then that might be a Final Four team. You know, if you go on the road and you start winning, especially against uh, highly ranked opponents, that may be a Final Four team that, that can knock out four out of five or five out of five road wins down the stretch going into their tournament. That's a good point. And so let's change gears just a little bit. Spence, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Tubby. And I know we were supposed to have Brian Finley on, and I guess, Brian, I don't know what's happened with him, but uh, this is this is uh, current news. So with, let's talk about Iona and Rick Pitino and the hiring of Rick Pitino during this this, this pandemic we're having. So just, just bringing this up a little bit, you know, and, and where does – my question is, so – Rick Pitino, not really a man of integrity right now in the NCAA. And, right. you know, and you look at somebody like Tubby Smith, and, and I think we would all three agree that he, he's definitely a man of integrity. Oh. Um, not a real bad recruiter. I mean, if you're comparing not, not him to Pitino, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the best recruiter, not the best recruiter, but, you know, where's the, where's the line divide on, you know, why, why does Rick Pitino get this job? you know, above some of the other guys that applied and interviewed for this job. I mean, Money and is, is, it, is it based on experience? Yeah, well, I mean, I know, but but where's integrity matter? Because that's what the NCAA well, is all about, is integrity. So well, your I know question, I'm, I'm Benny, confused you, about it. Benny, you and I were talking about this just off off um, uh, off air and uh, in a chat room. Um Rick Pitino is probably one of the better X's and O's coaches. He can usually coach, you know, circles around the field that we see out there now. Um, but, hey, I mean, if, you're, if we're trying to compare Rick Pitino to really a lot of different coaches, but especially somebody like Tubby Smith, I mean, the, the, the moral fortitude is there in one and not really in the other for a number of reasons. Um, and I, I started really – I mean – can Patino recruit? Well, absolutely. Now, how he was recruiting at Louisville, um, you know, if the feds had to get involved in his recruiting practices, I'm wondering how he can recruit now. But what Iona's doing is they're making – this is a financial play for them. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe Louisville's an Adidas school, right? Yep. Absolutely. Iona yeah. is, is also an Adidas school. Just throwing that yeah. out there. So, yeah. like, um, the the connections of, you know, hey, man, Rick Pitino got a whole lot of money from Adidas to Louisville, so maybe he can at least – if he can get a fourth of that to us so that we can, you know, get our, our program up and rolling, then, you know, it's that's a financial play. I just find it funny that um, they would do this in the midst of a national emergency uh, considering a virus and – you know, one of the, as I remember, uh, good old Rick, uh, and, and martinis and, you know, strippers and I, I'm like, man, this guy, uh, this guy, this guy knows a lot about viruses, uh, you know, his personal yeah, life. There's a lot of people in big blue nation the coronavirus. Right. I, you know, I'm like, wow. This, we this were talking about this in Memphis, and I actually said that. Yeah. said that uh, maybe Memphis should hire him as an assistant. To help Penny, which I mean, yes, which yes. Memphis would like to give the middle finger to the NCAA anyway. While I was thinking that, oh, oh yeah, but, of course, of course. And I thought that would be a good hire. And I said they better do it before somebody else does it. And that has been, I don't think, two weeks ago we were discussing maybe, maybe that. Maybe two weeks ago. I think it was less than that. Maybe ten days ago. And uh, you know, it, it it already came true. And I was like, what? But the thing is, I. It, it, Rick Pitino, as much as I would welcome with open arms in in Memphis, because you know, and, I, and honestly, to to, I mean, I know I joke and, and kid about them, but I do believe everybody believe, uh, deserves a second chance. Um, maybe not a third or a fourth, but definitely a second chance. And and let's see if he, you know, uh, since he was running amok, let's see if what he does in in Iona. Um, My theory that, is that Rick Pitino is a Kentucky guy because. If you really think about it, he saved Kentucky basketball, and he pretty much tried he to did. take Louisville basketball under, and I think he did that for us. He took Louisville to another level. He took Louisville back to the Denny Crum level. He really did. Oh, yeah. And, he did. He did. And it's funny that we've got one of the unforgettables coming up later on in the show in Darren Feldhouse. And, uh, but, but what Patino did for Kentucky and Louisville and Everywhere he's ever been, he's one. And you're right, Spence. He's one of the best X's and O's coaches I've ever seen. Seriously, great motivator, great recruiter, and I think he just lost control in Louisville. And I don't know if he just had the wrong people. I think I believe he had the wrong people in the wrong positions, and 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 wasn't managing it very well. And I think that's what got him in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that. And maybe there has been, and sometimes that happens because sometimes when you're winning, you you don't you don't check the you don't check the back door. You know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, I, I know a lot of people that, um, uh, just as an analogy, you know, they'll go out and buy a new rifle or two, and then they don't check if the back door is locked anymore. And sometimes, you know, when you're winning, when you're when you're at the top of the program, sometimes you 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 don't check to see what assistants are doing or, or what's going on. Now, I don't know. I mean, it could be that, hey, you know, it was it, 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 it stemmed from the top all the way down. But it's more likely that he just lost control of everything that was going on. Um, and, you know, the recruiting got out of control. You know, uh, everybody was yep. given a deadline and saying, hey, man, I need you need to beat this out. And they were like, well, okay, by any means necessary. Let's get, you know, let's, yep. let's take some money from this, from this slush account and, 
and and pay this guy to get here. That's I mean I don't the whole Bowen thing. I mean if if recruiting got to the point where you had to be in Vegas trying to wire money to somebody's dad, I mean that that can't be that's unsustainable basically. Yeah, um, and, and, and I have no inside it, information, but I believe yeah. Calipari had a great effect on their recruiting because he was killing them. I mean, he really was. Yeah. He was destroying yeah. them. He was getting every guy they were going after, and it, and they were looking down the road saying, man, how are we going to catch up? And I think that's part of a lot of the scandals, a lot of people oh, yeah, trying to catch up with Kentucky and Duke. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of pressure. And, I mean, that was the – that was the whole thing, like, when, when Calipari was down in Memphis and he started recruiting guys um, and we started getting NBA players, and we're like, oh, man, he's, he's, recruiting, he's recruiting some top 25 guys to Memphis. That's, that's not easy to do. Even though there are guys in that general 50 to 100-mile radius that, that are always, you know, going to, to play for the NBA, they're usually going to schools like Florida, um, LSU, you know, they're going other places to play basketball. They're not coming to Memphis anymore, even though they're right there. I mean, if you could just – if Memphis could hold on to 50% of the talent within a 100-mile radius, they'd be like a Final Four team almost every year. But those are yeah. – those, all those kids go to Big 12, ACC, and um, uh, SEC schools, basically, regardless of whether that's football or, 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 or basketball. Yeah. But um, the when when Calipari started doing it, everybody was like, "Okay, it can be done again," because we hadn't seen it for for some time, you know, in in Memphis. And he started putting pressure on a lot of people because everybody started looking around, like, "Wait a minute, if you can do that at Memphis, why aren't you getting it done here?" And everybody started looking at their program and whatnot. And you know, he that's what he does. He puts a lot of pressure on a lot of programs, so I can. I, I guarantee you when um, Calipari got to Kentucky, it became a showdown uh, because that's a natural rival anyway, um, mm-hmm. Louisville and Kentucky, or at least Louisville thinks it's a natural rival. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, but, yeah, Cal at Kentucky put a whole lot of pressure on Louisville and that program. It, it made them kind of address their, their, uh, their program. It made them address their game. It, it really challenged them to to keep pace, even, um, which is how I think they ran into that uh, Final Four and that national championship that they had to take down, is yep. is just trying to compete in state with Kentucky. I, I think that's a that's proof of what you know John Calipari can do to a program because you know look what he did at Memphis when he was there you know versus Tennessee yeah. and Tennessee ruled the state then you know he had some really good yeah. Vanderbilt teams too but. Memphis and, and Tennessee, I tell you what, that was that was pay per view worthy. It, it was unbelievable. Bruce Pearl there too, and unbelievable games. Uh, yeah, Bruce that, Pearl. I, I remember Pearl. that season forever. And I mean, I tell you, it, yeah. it was it was fun to watch it and uh, up and down the floor. And I think that goes along with you know what he what he does in, in, in recruiting. Is, it's a sales job, and but what he yeah. does is, is incredible. But I will say this for Calpari, he he stands by what he says, you know what he what oh, yeah. he tells these kids, and he he's in it in the long haul, and and he's there for them, you know, even after they're done. But just, just going back, let me ask you this, and, and you guys, Spence, you're down in Memphis, and and it's a big city. I mean, what, how how is that different? I don't know Benny and I are from well, smaller towns, 
And uh, do you have toilet paper? <laughs> well, remember now, I'm in Tampa now. I'm, I'm yeah, actually in Tampa. Are you in Tampa? I, I lived in. I lived in oh yeah, I, mean, I, I live in Tampa, um, uh, and I haven't lived in Memphis for quite a while now. I moved down from Louisville down to to uh, Tampa in 2015. Uh, because well, I was there, up there. There's a new vacation school. spot, Benny, right there. You know what? There it is, man. Tampa. It's it, it's beautiful down here. Hey. And by the way, yes, we do have toilet paper. See the difference. I've got a good friend from Paducah down there, Benny, and he goes to all these shows and always down in hand. So I'm coming down, and if I come down and see him, I'm gonna come see you. All right. That sounds like a good idea, man. Just hit me up. Um, but Lee, yeah, man, the, the difference on how. Florida is taking this compared to the rest of the country is interesting um, because down here we are every, every hurricane season, we deal with this, right? Shortages, yeah. people, you know, panicking and this, that, and the other. So the supply chain here is kind of, it's robust. We're kind of ready for something like this. They kind of know, Hey, there's going to be a shortage. Hey, we need to get a, you know, this, that, and the other. It may be out for maybe 24, 48 hours, but, they get they get that stuff in here pretty quickly, and yeah, we got water, we got toilet paper, we got a lot of stuff at at the store. Now the cleaning supplies. Uh, last time I was at Walmart, were still out. Uh, they've been off the shelf for about a week now, but um, the supply chain is pretty good here, and um, uh, because of the things that Floridians deal with on on a constant basis year after year, um, their supply chain's kind of tested and true. So. Um, it, it's a it's it's interesting that there's not as much I don't think there's as much quote unquote buying panic down in Florida as there may be in the rest of the country. Did you think they made the right decision to cancel the tournament? Completely cancel it? I was talking with him earlier, and I thought these guys are eighteen, nineteen year old guys, and supposedly this doesn't even really affect it. And I just thought maybe they could at least play the thing with no fans. I, I didn't. I don't know. I think it was a little bit overreacting. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. So here's my opinion, because I'll 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 be honest. I was one of the first people that was kind of surprised that that a lot of things got canceled. But then I started thinking back to, okay, where's the liability here? And I started thinking I, my law background is like, okay, well, we know that this has been going on since basically the the crack of the new year out there in in China. If we would have taken steps maybe in January, the steps that we're taking now to kind of curtail what's going to happen, then um then then we could have been actually playing the tournament honestly. Um but we didn't. And you know, for one way reason or another, uh, maybe they thought they had it under control. Um but it's we're at the point now where and a lot of healthcare professionals are telling me this. They're like, you know, as soon as we get tests, we can actually figure out actually who has it, but we don't have the tests. And I'll be honest, I just got a call from my brother. Uh, his wife's a uh, physician in Philly, and she has she has the symptoms. She works at a nursing home. She has the symptoms, so she's self-isolated now. And, and he was mad. He was like, man, they can't even get doctors. Like the physicians taking care of the patients, they can't even get them tests within 36 hours. How we 
if a regular Joe Blow on the street has symptoms like this, how is that person getting tested? So I, wow. I started thinking, and we were talking about that, and we are like, you know, there's probably a lot of people that just have this right now and they're just spreading it around because you don't feel – the difference between this type of uh, influenza or, or flu or virus, I should say, uh, and just regular flu is when you start experiencing symptoms with regular flu, then you're transmitting it. Then it's easy to pass it on. With this, you're cool. You, you and I right now could have it, and we have no idea because we have no symptoms. And that period can be up to 14 days. So literally these players, if we don't have tests for them, because th- this would have been uh, – Lee and Benny, this is what should have happened. This is what should have happened. We should have actually been, had tests for all the players, right, I don't understand have been able why we don't test have tests for all the players. Well, there, there's there's a reason for that too. I, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should get into that reason, but there there's 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 a reason for that. Um, you can get into it if you want to. I don't players. mind. Okay, okay. We 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 should have tested all the players. We should have tested all the coaches, coaching staff, and the refs. We should have had tests to give them to clear all the teams. Now. The question would have been, what if somebody, just like, case in point, Rudy Gobert. The reason why he was joking around and touching mics and he was going to go play the game is because he had COVID-19. He had no idea because he didn't have any symptoms. And I think that's what people are, people are missing, that this isn't like a regular flu where you feel bad and you're contagious when you feel bad. You feel like 100% and you have it and you're, you can pass it around, you know, and, and not have any symptoms. So what yeah. we should have done is have tests, test everybody, got those tests back, started making decisions, well, how many players have this? You know, how many teams have this? If a team, if, if a team has a player on it that has it and that's essential to that team, do we let them play? But we didn't have the tools in order to make that decision. And the, not having the actual test to be able to roll out to all of the players, to all of the staff, to all of the the um, uh, the officials, then we're just we're it's 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 rolling dice because the last thing that these schools wanted to be on the hook with is hey these players had it they gave it to another player that player high fived his grandma when he got home and won a Final Four and now she's dead because then this is a litig- litigious society as well. And people like from the field that I was in, you know, they're they're going after everybody for for cash, and that's if if we didn't want the lawsuits to ensue, then we couldn't do that on the front end, in terms of just letting them play without having the test and knowing who actually had it. But then we get into isn't why don't this, we have the tests? Isn't this something that once you have that this virus, you, you you're a carrier for life. Is that is that true? I, I'm not really sure on it, but I've heard some reports on that. No, I do not think so. Um, everything that I know, and I, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I have doctors on my show. I have Queen Bridget. She's a she's a uh, um, a doctor. She's on uh, my show every now and then. And you know, I think what I think there's a issue with a lot of people. It, once you get it, and once a lot of people get it. Then eventually, there's a, okay. Let, let me put it like this: from what I've been told, there's really just two paths that we can take. Either, and they're both really herd immunity by one way or another. Either a lot of people can get it, like 40 to 70 percent of the country can get it, 
uh, it run its normal course, kill who it's going to kill, uh, and then we'll get a herd immunity. Or we come up with a um, solution, an immunization really, and then we're, there's a mass immunization where everybody gets these shots. Uh, it gives you a little bit of it, just like the flu shot or whatnot. Uh, and then we uh, reach herd immunity that way so that it stops, you know, getting in us. But I don't think you're a carrier for life or anything like that. I don't think it's something like, um, you know, I don't know what viruses do that. But uh, this is something that is going to run its normal course. Um, and we're just really trying to, at this point, save save lives and not over overload the the um, medical community with, with patients coming in. Uh, okay, good. That's what's going on in Italy. They don't have enough rooms and and triage to handle everything, and they're having to choose who lives and dies, which is sad in its own right, and that's what they're trying to prevent here. Yeah, you don't want it to be acute. I think um, – I guess they, 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 we've seen the graphs on, on, you know, the nightly news and everything else, but they don't want this thing to be acute. They're literally trying to drag this out for 6 to 12 months so that everybody's not in the hospital in a span of two or three months trying to look for, for respirators and everything else. Because if we, can, if we buy ourselves enough time, then everybody can have a respirator. If we don't, you know, the, the difference is, you know, uh, 100,000 people going to the hospital within six months is different than 100,000 people trying to get that same medical attention within 30 days. So that's why they're trying to ban people from, you know, social gatherings and trying to keep people away. They're trying to keep it from spreading very quickly. They know it's going to spread at this point. They're just trying to keep it from spreading very quickly. And they think that, you know, closing down a lot of these sporting events um, will keep it from from spreading quickly. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. I said this on my show on Friday. Let's be honest. Last time I was at a game, and I actually, the the um, XFL is here in Tampa, and I went to a Vipers game. And, I you know, I used the restroom just like everybody else. You know, there's a line in the restroom. Use the restroom. Go and wash my hands. Well, I wash my hands. I'm looking, I'm in the mirror, you know, looking back. Like five to ten dudes just, you know, do their business and leave. So I mean, you know, it's it's really us. They're 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 like, man, we 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 don't practice a good enough hygiene as a country, basically, to to show up to any of these games or whatnot. And and honestly, who who knows if the players um, uh, would do that or whatnot? But I think the number one reason uh, Benny and Lee that that they had to cancel it is we didn't have the tests to actually go through all the teams because it would have been a selection committee process. We test everybody, you know, we get the results because it's possible to get the results of a test after it's tested in 48 hours because mm-hmm. the, the, the Utah Jazz did it. And um, who was the other team? The Raptors, whoever, whoever they were playing, they got it yeah. in 48 hours. But yeah. it, so Donovan Mitchell test, and, and Rudy Gobert are the only two that actually have it, a first from the yes, test, right? Yes, yes. That's that, as, 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 as well as we know now, yes. I don't know. I heard that um, uh, Charles Barkley was, was self-isolating. And I was going to say, I heard people. there was a third party there, but I'm not sure. But I think it all relates to the Jazz team. But I thought there was a third party there, but I may, I may be wrong. There, no, there may be. Um, and, and, and as I talk to some of these health um, professionals, the issue, there's a lot of issue with these. There's a lot of issues um, in terms of, who makes the test and who profits off the test 
honestly. That's why we don't have the tests. Um, the World Health Organization has a test, obviously, because they're the World Health Organization. So the um, – sorry about that alarm. Um, but the, uh, the World Health Organization has a test, but that's outside of the jurisdiction of the United States. The CDC is who is inside of our jurisdiction who profits off the test, how accurate they are, blah, blah, blah. That was an issue from the get-go. So we wanted to rely on our own tests, but we didn't have enough information to make them. And, the, you know, we didn't want to go off of anybody else's tests. We wanted our own tests. It, it, that's a, I, I understand why, but then again, in, in times like this, I wouldn't mind having, you know, a European test or a Chinese test um, but then trusting if this, you know, this if this test is is good, uh, or if it's up to the standards that we would consider good and accurate, um, because the accuracy of the test is the most important thing. Uh, Queen Bridget was uh, trying to explain the the difference between um, the false positives and false negatives of the tests uh, that 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 they use now. So I don't know if if um, the test that the World Health Organization met the standards. Um, uh, that we would use in this country in terms of, you know, uh, how accurate the test is. Because every test, regardless regardless of what it is, it doesn't even have to be like medical tests. I mean, if we're talking about polling, if we're talking about statistics, whatever, we could be talking about basketball statistics. There's a margin of error, right? We want that margin mm-hmm. of error to be as, as, as low as possible, like 3% yep. one way or 3% the yep. other way. But in some countries, it's allowable to have 10% one way or 10% the other way. Well, that's a 20% margin of error if you look at it. And, you know, that means that 20% of the people that take this test and they say that they're negative are actually positive for it, except we don't know it. And so what, what has to happen? They have to take another test later on to kind of, you know, uh, round off that, that margin of error. And if you take it, it, it that, that would be cool if people were testing every week to see if they had it, like in other countries, but that's right. not the way. That's not the way things work here. So let me ask you guys a question. Yeah. This this is something I'm curious of because my me and my fiance we went back and forth on this and just how scared are you guys as far as I'm not. I'm just gonna tell you I'm not scared in the least. I'm going off my daily my daily life just because there's nothing I can do about it. And I keep my hands washed. I probably wash a little more than than I did before, just because I think about it more. But how do you, are you guys? Are you guys living in fear from this? Because I know a lot of people are living in fear because of this. I'm not living in fear, but I tell you, I went and bought about two weeks worth of Bear Creek soups, and you know, and I just bought you know seven days, fourteen packages. And I figured, well, I'm going to live on potato soup or cheddar and broccoli soup for two weeks. And that that seems to be the generalization. It's a two-week uh, incubation, whatever you want to call it, but the period is two weeks. So but I didn't go out and go nuts like anybody else. And, you know, I'm still going to work tomorrow in and, and, and my regular job for, for the rest of the week. So I'm I'm not... I, I'm watching the news. I'm, I'm staying alert to what's going on, but I don't think, you know, I'm not in a panic mode. Are you, Spence? Not at all. I mean, I don't there, – there's really no reason to panic or fear, especially, 
I mean, I don't know if you guys. I mean, I'm a Christian. I don't. I mean, absence from the body is present with the Lord. I don't. If this thing were to take me out, I mean, I don't. You know, I go to heaven. Ooh, you know. I mean, I don't, I'm not really a. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not. I'm not living yep. in fear. But there are a lot of people that have no idea what uh, you know what what what's on God, the other side God or anything like time. that. So. God has wow. our time planned, brother. God has exactly. Our time planned. Exactly. So I mean, I, yeah, and I, I don't think you should live in fear in this in this day and age. I mean, I don't. Uh, but but yeah, there there are a lot of people. You're right. There are a lot of people that that are living in fear. I'm not one of them though. I'm not going to be <laughs> oh, like one of those Kentucky snake handlers that you know just jeopardizes my <laughs> health and goes out there in the no, crowd. No, out the crowd just no. to try I'm to be this is the first vacation I've taken in 20 years, and it ended up getting extended by two weeks, and I am completely and totally bored. <laughs> I hear you. Hey, I hear you. Man. And I, I think Brian's Let me, let me tell you something, there. Benny. Don't rub it in, Benny, because I already know you're getting paid for this vacation, so don't rub it in, buddy. <laughs> All right. Hey, we would like to let welcome, I think, Brian, uh, Brian Finley to the show. This is... Uh, <laughs> You're on with Benny Lee and Memphis Spence. He's been with us for a little bit now. Hey, guys. What's going on? Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. How are you guys doing with all the chaos that's going around? Man, uh, that's what we were discussing. Is, and, and, yeah. and you're out in Los Angeles, is that correct? Yeah, man. People are just going nuts around here, man. It's 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 so crazy. Are you living it's in almost... fear? We were just discussing that. Are you living in fear, or are you just going on with daily I, routine? I, you know, I think, some, I think sometimes our mind wants us to think that there's it's worse than it is in some situations, and I think we get kind of pumped that fear narrative a little bit too much, and I think people are taking that to heart. But yeah, you you, you do see it, and obviously we've all been to grocery stores and you can't even get anything and i think people just need to understand to be educated but also to take it in like okay it is something to worry about but let's not the the sky is not falling right i mean yeah right hey brian i've got to ask you how's your toilet paper supply Uh, I have a couple. I have a couple rounds. So uh, yeah, I was actually gonna maybe dress up as a mummy afterwards when all we get through all this and all the extra toilet paper. <laughs> How about you guys? That's great. <laughs> I've got nothing left. You know, I'm gonna go back to the old army days and, and it's the five minute SSS, and, and we're not gonna say the first word, but you know, you, you take care of business and you shower and you shave, and that's it. That's yeah. it. Totally. So, Brian, tell us a little bit. I'll tell you what, man. You, you've got a great history, and, and you came up from the ranks, and you, you have developed yourself to where you are now. You're a Fox Sports anchor. Just so everybody out here knows, you're a Fox Sports anchor out in, in Los Angeles, and, and you worked your tail off, I know. And you started out a little bit in Memphis, and, and you were doing a Tubby Smith show, and we've got Memphis yeah. Smith on here, who is a big Memphis guy. So sure. Now we can go back to that. So, tell. Let me ask both of you. What did you think of Tubby Smith as a person and as a coach? Ooh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Yeah. I mean, personally, I love Tubby as a human being. He was the nicest guy, like you could ever meet. He was always like he would check on me. You know, like we would text. And I feel like he really just had this genuine appreciation for people. 
and was really an authentic, real human being. And I think he's a really good coach. And I, I think that Memphis uh, didn't give him a, a fair rap when he was there. And it's unfortunate, but he's a stand-up guy. He's won a national championship. And I can't say enough good things about my workings with him and just the kind of human being that he is. So, yeah, Tubby Smith is a genuine human being, one of the better – you could call him a, a disciplinarian, um, but he was definitely one of the old-school coaches that wanted to instill something in you other than just basketball. Um, great guy. I haven't met him personally. I, I never have. He's not one of the, the, the coaches that I've uh, met like Cal. Um, but I know that when he was in the program, a lot of the boosters and everything that – that I regular talk, regularly talked to, they were impressed by him. They just thought that he needed needed some help because the things that he was doing at the time were things that were working, say, in the mid-'90s, maybe turn of the century, uh, but wouldn't work necessarily in the day and in the environment of, of recruiting uh, these days. They even thought that some of his his um, plays were, were a little bit dated, um, but he knew X's and O's probably better than – honestly better than, 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 than Penny does now. Um, and he knew how to play the college game. He kind of knew how to maneuver around the college game. I was always one of the ones, the proponents, to say, hey, can't we get Penny in as an assistant under Tubby before Tubby leaves? You know, kind of marry the two. You know, we got recruiting plus, you know, X's and O's here. Let's, let's, let's do that and see what happens. Um, but that's not, that's not what everybody wanted. Uh, everybody wanted... Uh, something uh, a fresh new slate, a resurgence in the program. Uh, and they thought mm-hmm. Penny, Penny would be able to provide that in the first couple of years. Nope, we didn't do that. Sounds like <laughs> so. Yeah. What's that? We talked. We talked a little bit earlier, Brian, too, on. Why does it seem as a coach it's all about wins at the cost of integrity? And, you know, Cody Smith, without question, is a man of integrity, and I think we'd all agree on that. You know, one thing that was probably in question for him at Kentucky was his recruiting. And, you know, and then we look at the flip side of that, and and you look at Rick Patino, and not not the most integral person in the world, but he gets the iron job. And so where does – where does that weigh out to you? Is it, is it really experiencing in what the coach has done always? And, and, and where, where's that fine line and that divide on integrity versus, you know, who you actually hire for a coaching job? You see, you, you're talking about just kind of the, the integrity of the game right now and the recruiting and all that. Yeah, just, yeah, just in general. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, it's it's tough, guys, because it almost feels like, you know, we haven't even heard the results of, you know, you remember the whole FBI investigation? We haven't yeah. even heard the ramifications of what kind of consequences are going to come out of that. Like, people are like, well, this took place a couple of years ago with the whole Adidas thing. Why haven't we heard anything yet? And I know Rick Pitino was caught up in that, and they still haven't even announced if he's going to receive punishment or what that might even be even though he's taken the, the Iona job. So people are wondering why it's taking so long for, I guess, the FBI to come up with these things. And, and then you hear about 
what Kansas is involved in, and now they received a, a notice of allegations from the NCAA, and Kansas is refuting every single aspect of it. So it's a tough game, and I, I wonder just how this is going to play out because we hear a lot of people accusing people of things, and nobody's getting necessarily, I don't know, punished for it yet. So, and then you think about what, what, what Memphis has had to do, deal with with James Wiseman and how that's going to right. unfold. So there's a whole lot of different things going on right here that we have to. We don't know what's going to ha- actually happen. What the NCAA is going to do. Right. Yeah, and and another good thing there is, uh, and and I want to mention something real quick, too, and and I know you're out there in in UCLA country, Brian, and you're covering UCLA sports, and let's mention also, with all this going on with the coronavirus, that Kevin Love donated $100,000 to support the arena workers there, so that's something we need to talk about, and and there's a lot of good, good out of this. In this time of the pandemic, there really is, guys. I mean, you're seeing almost every professional sports team step up and put up money for the arena workers, the hourly workers, those that really do depend upon that income to support their families. And it's kind of like the teams that haven't done it yet. And I don't know, I haven't checked the news as far as Sunday today. But I know a couple franchises haven't, like the Dodgers. And then that brings upon this whole level of peer pressure. It's like, well, why are you guys waiting to announce you're going to give money because of a work stoppage? You know, it makes everybody look bad if, if you're not doing anything. The, the Clippers, Lakers, and the L.A. Kings just decided to do some, some helping out financially with their workers at Staples Center. So there's that covered in the L.A. market. But you've got the Angels and the Dodgers, and – it's almost like uh, what's wrong with you guys now? There's that peer, level of peer pressure. Like you look horrible if you don't do anything and you better do something fast because people are going to write you off as, as cheap or just insensitive if you don't do something because everybody else is doing something. Right. And Brian, how, how serious was UCLA about getting John Calipari? And all you were out there and, do you know anything about the talks and negotiations and, and where where it got to and and in, any insight on, on the Kentucky side of it? Well, the only thing I know, guys, is I, I know that there was interest that was reported on both sides, and I know there was a little level of interest. Now, I know that UCLA in the past has had this thing where they don't have their own plane or they don't charter, and I think that according to some of the media outlets that I read, that that was – maybe one thing that dissuaded coach Cal from coming to UCLA because, you know, he has his own plane, you know, and I think that a guy like coach Cal who's done it his way, who has so much control, maybe UCLA at the time did not have that ability to give him all the control over all the aspects of the program that he was hoping for. Now that's just one outsider's perspective here, but you know, even though that did not work out and and seemingly he was, if not the first option or, or the top selection for UCLA, for a guy that was maybe the fifth or sixth selection in Mick Cronin, I mean, it's worked out really well and much better, better than I think a lot of people thought. I think much better than a lot of the 
you know, the higher-ups at UCLA presume, given just the way this season turned around so rapidly within a season. Like, guys, I thought we were going to see a change, but not in, one, in year one. Like, we were going to see something maybe in year two, but the way he did it so quickly within the single season is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something about Vic Cronin. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, and I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but just, just hide and watch for me. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to sound negative, but Mick Cronin has always been the regular season king. I will be interested to see if he can take UCLA to where they need to be. And I don't understand how UCLA has so much trouble. I don't know if it's money trouble or what, because that is one program that should be on top. I really believe they should. I mean, they they have such a history, and they should. I, I don't know. It seems. They stuck with Alford way too long. I couldn't even believe they hired Alford, but I didn't. But I don't know the ins and outs of that program like you do. I'm just saying, Mick Cronin at Cincinnati, he was always great in the regular season, but he always lost in the first, second round of the NCAA tournament, and that's why I would have a problem with it at a program like UCLA, which I know he was the third, fourth pick. Yeah, I mean, here's here's what I'll say to what you're saying, and I, and I get that there is that concern that he hasn't really made it deep into a tournament. The difference is at UCLA is he is going to have access to much better talent in the recruiting war. Like at Cincinnati, he would turn guys that were under-recruited or three stars and make them really, really powerful players in their upperclassmen years. But he wasn't at that level and, and at that school wasn't going to be privy to getting a five-star. You know, that's just the way the world works in college basketball. And so if his principles are going to UCLA and now he's access to players that he would never have been able to get at Cincinnati, maybe that is what's going to push this team deeper into the NCAA tournament. Because I think the biggest thing that Micron did when he took over he got rid of the, the feeling of entitlement. You guys pointed it out. Yes, they've won a lot of titles in the past. But sometimes you can't live in the past. And if you do, that affects anything you do in the future. And I think that sometimes guys thought, and, and any of the players will mention this to you as well if you, if you speak to them, that they needed a reality check. And they needed like a disciplinarian. And Nick Cronin is not going to take crap. And he's going to call you out. And when people see that, they're like, well, what is he doing? But he does it because he wants his players to see how much he cares about them. And now they bought yeah. it. I agree. And I'm going to tell you, I'm on the flip side of that with Benny because I got to witness Mick Cronin right here at Murray State University. And, you know, my son's going to graduate from there this year and here in Western Kentucky. And what he did with the talent there in OBC. It was unheralded. I mean, you go back to Ron Green days when he had Lamont Sleets and and, and uh, Gary Hooker and those guys and Popeye Jones. And but Mick is a great recruiter. But what he teaches is he teaches tough defense. And even at Cincinnati, they had some inner turmoil there. And, and I thought he handled it very professionally. And what he's going to do, UCLA, and we can go back, guys. To you, you can say what you want. UCLA and Kentucky, you know, a lot of people say they recruit themselves, but I'm going to tell you, I disagree with that because we saw it with Steve Alford. We saw it with, with Tubby Smith a little bit. We saw it with Billy Gillespie at Kentucky. 
They're big name programs, programs, but they do not recruit themselves. You have to have the right guy recruiting there. And I think think Mick Cronin's on the right path. you talk about a man with integrity, and that's what we're I don't know. I don't know, Lee. I just, just myself personally, I think he's done a great job this year. Don't get me wrong, because I thought they were dead in the water. But I like getting Memphis's take on Mick Cronin, because I know Memphis is big in college I mean, basketball as well. Yeah. I, I think uh, well, I, this is what I'll say about Mick Cronin. I've been watching him coach for forever. Um, uh, I. It's not as if he hasn't had – you know he's he's gotten you know and you know how guys I'm I'm pretty big in recruiting he he had uh, Jermaine Lawrence back in uh, 2013 five star guy where is he I, he doesn't really develop the talent as well as as some of the others he gets four star guys all the time now I'll say this he's going to have probably twice as much talent at UCLA year in and year out he may have a five star every year at UCLA hopefully UCLA can probably recruit itself. But it's not as if talent's been the, the issue with 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 the way he coaches. There's something – I think there's a deficiency when it comes to just tournaments. I don't know if he knows how to coach in tournaments. I don't know if he knows how to make those adjustments quick enough. I think he's really good with the X's and O's during the week. In game, when you, when you have to make a, a, a substitution or switch up what you're doing in game, it doesn't – happen as often as you would like. He's not like the guy that's going to change the game plan at halftime and win you the game. He's the guy that throughout the week he's going to, you know, figure out, give him a couple of days, and he'll figure out, you know, a a plan uh, to go on the road and get this win. In the regular season, he's fantastic. But he's one of those guys, whenever you saw, oh, yeah, Mick Cronin, who's uh, Cincinnati, okay, well, he won't be in the Sweet 16. Because that was kind of what he did, you know. And there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of coaches like that. Um, and there are some coaches that may, you know, they may not be the the best during the regular season, but you know they're they're built for the tournament and they're built for how March Madness works. So there's, you know, uh, Mick Cronin. Let's let's see. Let's wait. I'm 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 in the camp of let's wait and see what he can do with the talent that he'll have now. Because the, the argument that he didn't have enough talent at Cincinnati. It's not like Cincinnati's never had talent or can't recruit. They they, they get some guys in there. Um, I mean, back when uh, uh, Kenyon Martin was there, back when uh, um, uh, yeah, when uh, what's his name was there. Um, but the the idea, yeah, the the idea that Cincinnati didn't have the talent. I don't. I'm not. I'm not certain on that. Of course, they don't have enough talent or the, the talent that UCLA. Uh, actually is able to pull in and recruit year in and year out. But um, Cronin's had – he's had his opportunities. I just don't know what he's done with them after the regular season. Uh, and I'm going to let you go ahead, Brian, because you're, you're out there watching it day in, day out. So we'll let you respond there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this – I, I got to run after this, guys. Um, but I, I got to say that – I totally understand what, what, what that point is all about. I mean, you're, you're right. I, I do think that when it comes to developing talent within the program, I think Mick is going to do – he's done a much better job this season than what we saw from Steve Alford when he was the coach. We had three McDonald's All-Americans on the team, That's not true. this year, but the year, the year before. And they right. all decided – 
to go pro, and you had Chris Wilkes, Jalen Hands, and Moses Brown. I don't think any of them are in the NBA last time I checked. I think one of them got drafted in the second round. That was Jalen Hands. I think most of the guys are in the G League. I don't even know where Chris Wilkes is. Those are three McDonald's All-Americans who are. I would think they're regretting leaving at this point because where are they? Sure. Where are they? Right. So there was no defense. I mean, I, I do do the show with Tracy Murray, and you guys know Tracy Murray, great, great player yeah. in his day. And Absolutely. he said that, yeah, and he was saying that, you know, under Alford that last season, he called it a, a glorious uh, AAU uh, team because there was just, it was run up and down the court, run up and down the court. Nobody plays defense. Nobody plays defense. So what I've seen from guys this year from Cronin is players that did not think that they were capable of doing such things like, like a Chris Smith, who's leading the team in scoring when he was averaging six points a game last year, guys are being thrust into roles that they weren't expecting that maybe they didn't think that they could handle, and they're doing it. And so that's where I get your point about Nick Cronin maybe not always developing talent the right way, but at least in this small sample size at UCLA, he's done a pretty good job so far in getting guys to play better than they were the year before. And I think he's going to have a lot of success because he's got some great recruits coming in, and and he's a great exit and old coach, no doubt about it. And his defense is still. And Brian, tell everybody where they can follow you and catch your work, and we'll let yeah, you guys. get here. You said you you had to get, and that's fine. And and we'll let Memphis go here just a second. <laughs> We've had yeah, Memphis yeah, yeah. too long, I know. Yeah, you you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, just my my Twitter is Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y, F E N L E Y, and, and happy to talk hoops with anybody. Drop me a line, and we'll we'll continue the conversation. Thanks thanks again, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming Thank on. We'll talk to you later. Hi. And and Memphis, I appreciate you coming on. They can everyone can uh, no can catch Memphis every day Monday through Friday mm-hmm. on the uh, Sports Talk every American day. twelve to two every day and, every uh, day I listen every, every day. Like every day. Sometimes day. I miss miss a minute here and there, but it's a really good show, <laughs> and he's really he's really taught me a lot. Also, I'll give Memphis credit for that, and I really appreciate him coming on. And like I said, didn't mean to keep you so long, but you're so good. Sometimes hey, it's hard to let you go, brother. <laughs> Sports on, guys. There's not many. There's no sports on. I'm not doing anything right now. (laughs) You're our brother. You got the whole show with us, dude. I mean, that's that's killer, dude. He pretty much has. We got three minutes left. Yeah. It's not a problem, man. It's not a problem. Look, I (laughs) I I love doing this. I love radio. I've been doing this for ten years. Because I love when you come on. And uh, like I say, I DM Memphis all the time when I got a stupid question, and he usually answers it to. to the best of his ability, and it's usually right on spot on. <laughs> I try to yeah. do my best, guys. But, um, yeah, man, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, Sports Radio America Network, the college credit hour, noon to 2 Eastern Standard uh, is where you can catch me. I'll take some time. I mean, you know, this, it's going to be rough for the next few weeks. But, you know, we'll Absolutely. find some interesting topics to talk about and, and, and some things to do. There's, there's, there's enough. I have enough in, um, you know, kind of in the – in the chamber that, you know, I can whip out some really good uh, topics uh, that, you know, while there's no sports going on, um, there's still well, sports issues much, that we can you, talk about. We know, we know where to, to contact you from toilet paper, and then we, we might start sharing <laughs> some drilling secrets, okay? Cause, I mean, it's really everybody, time, uh, <laughs> follow Memphis Spence at Memphis Spence. It's pretty easy. At Memphis Spence. Follow him on Twitter. 
he's a good follow. He's a good dude, and uh, I look forward to meeting him someday. Other than just talking to him on the phone, it'd be great. And hey, I think, man, get down here. And man. I like and to thank I, Michelle. I have, toilet paper, actually, I have toilet paper for everybody. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Michelle in Kentucky actually put me on to your Michelle. show, and I have I have been oh, on yeah. it ever since, and I really appreciate it because it's. It's just something I didn't even know existed, honestly. But now that I do, it's yeah. it's awesome show, and yeah. you do a hell of a job, buddy. We appreciate yeah. it, man. I we definitely to, appreciate it. All right. I want to say hi to Michelle night. and Lisa and Roger Harden and, and all our gang out there in Big Blue Nation because this has been another great show, and we didn't even get to Darren Feldhouse, and that breaks my heart, but maybe next week. All right, Memphis. Take care, brother. You all have a good one, Benny and Lee, man. It's a pleasure. Um, I guess I probably need to come on more, guys. You, the Big Blue Nation's been supporting our show very uh, ever since I got to Louisville. I thought Louisville fans would support. Hey, you're welcome there. anytime. Hey, not, not hey, anymore. Anymore. Yeah, we don't not even have to invite you. You got the number. You just call in. We'll cancel everything, and we'll let we'll, we'll let you <laughs> hang out with us. Bro, bro, Memphis is in my backyard, man. It's right here in yeah, my man. backyard. I mean, it, there it's it right is. here. And I've been there and done it and played the blues with them guys down there. So we we Fantastic. got a lot to talk about. All right, man. All right, Take later care, on. All right, Lee. We didn't get to Darren Feldhouse, and I apologize, folks, but it is what it is. I think we're playing golf. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I guess so. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but we'll, we'll get him on, folks, and we promise we will because Darren and I, we're, we're talking, and we'll get him on eventually. He, he is a busy golfer. I think he's working out for the senior PGA or something. But We will have Cotton Nash show, next week for sure. Yeah. We'll have Cotton Nash. And, yeah, uh, Bobby Blake. Like I say, I hope everybody knows what to do because I have no clue. I, I miss Kentucky basketball, but I love all y'all, and we're here for Big Blue Therapy anytime you need it. And we be in. Y'all have a great night. Thanks, Lee, for everything you do. Thank you, Benny. I love it, brother. All right, good night, Please. everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. See you next week. Later on.